0: Welcome back to Relentless Minds. This is your host, Lori Jimenez. I am honored to share with you today's episode where I chat with Mark Horvath, the founder of a nonprofit called Invisible People, also known as Invisible People TV. This interview is a special one because although we talk about his work through Invisible People, Mark and I discuss the early days in his life, before Invisible People was born, and how these were some of the hardest years for him. You see, for many years, Mark struggled with his sense of confidence and self-esteem in silence. Heightened by his grueling career in the film and music industry, ultimately, Mark went down an unforgiving path of drugs, alcohol, and homelessness. This life-changing experience opened Mark's eyes to the lamentable and upsetting truth that the homeless experience daily. They are the unseen and forgotten members of our society. Mark recalls countless experiences when people would go through all means to avoid being near him, or worse, avoid even making eye contact with him. These memories left an imprint on Mark's heart and moved him into later creating invisible people which is a nonprofit that is fighting homelessness through storytelling, education, news, and activism, all in an effort to change the narrative on homelessness. In this interview, we hear about Mark's troubling past, his journey to self-discovery and happiness, and the powerful work he has led for the last 11 years through Invisible People that has impacted millions of listeners nationwide. So without further ado, let's begin the conversation. Welcome, Mark, to Relentless Minds. Thank you so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate it.
1: It's an honor to be here.
0: So Mark, to start off the conversation, I wanted to first ask you, why did you feel compelled to create Invisible People back in 2008? What was your main goal?
1: So it's interesting because a lot of people, especially in in faith communities, say they're called. I was called to do this work. I feel if you're called, you can hang up the phone. I was forced. I wasn't called. I had no other choice. So back in, gosh, many from 1990 to 1994, I had a great job in the television industry, making sure the world got Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy married with children. 21 Jump Street, the old one, the one where us older folks watched in uh, you know, a bunch of television syndication shows. And I ended up homeless on Hollywood Boulevard. I uh, rebuilt my life, took a very long time to where I had a three bedroom house and a new car in the garage, pool in the backyard and a real cushy marketing job, making great money. And this thing called the economy tanked in 2008. So I went out and I grabbed a camera and I started interviewing homeless people. And I want to tell you, I wanted to change the world. The truth was I just needed to give myself purpose in the morning. I was unemployed for about 19 months, not consecutively. I'd get a job and get laid off and get a job and get laid off. And having been homeless back in 1995 and then living in a homeless shelter for a very long time, I was crashing back into homelessness. And it was really scary. I wanted to work, but there was no jobs. I didn't know what was going on, and there's some other stuff behind this as a TV producer. I never thought the uh, homeless story was told correctly, but the magic was actually an accident. Very similar to, uh, I love the story of potato chips. I don't know if you know how potato chips came to be. You don't? Well, Well, let me finish this, and I'll tell you about potato chips. I had this idea. Well, actually, I was in my boss's office, and he had this book called Finding Grace which is a black and white picture book of homeless photos, the homeless people. And it was brilliant. I thought to myself, gosh, I could do this with video. And my boss laid me off shortly after, and I had the time. And the magic was I'm a television producer by trade. So to me, a video has to be edited and have graphics and music. You know, it's got to be these perfect pictures. Yes. But I couldn't edit the video. I had lost my editing workstation when I lost my house to foreclosure. I almost didn't do it. And one day I said, Nobody's going to watch this stuff. I'm going to put it up raw and unedited. And that was the magic because authenticity has replaced production value. So here it is 11 years later. And you know, housing programs have started and feeding programs have started. And we had. 26 million views on YouTube in the last month. We have 100,000 readers on Apple News and Google News. We do journalism and mini documentaries, and we reach – Millions and millions of people educating them about homelessness to create policy change. But before we go any longer, because I know your audience is just on pins and needles wanting to know the potato chip story. It is one of my favorite stories. It's from uh, Albany, New York. And a gentleman was in a restaurant and he ordered a baked potato. And the baked potato came and he sent it back. It wasn't done enough. And so the cook cooked it a little more and sent it back out. And the guy complained it wasn't done enough. And so the cook cooked it a little more. And, you know, this went on until finally the cook got upset and he chopped it up to little pieces and just baked it until it was, you know, basically a crisp until it was a crisp. And the guy (laughs) loved it. And potato chips were born, you know. And you can, from chocolate chip cookies to popsicles to, you know, penicillin, microwave oven, there's a lot of things in our world that happen by accident. And they say necessity breeds innovation, mm-hmm. you know? Well, so does accidents. <laughs> yeah,
0: Absolutely. So the way you saw that the stories of the homeless weren't being told properly then inspired to go out there and to do this yourself, it then became Invisible People and what you have created, which has been not only videos and social media, but it's also educational now and also moving for policy reform.
1: Yeah, well, so it's counterintuitive that you know after I got off the streets, I started you know continue producing television, and I was producing television in a nonprofit sector, and you know I was doing shows on on homelessness, and I uh, would always talk to my boss. I mean, there's a bit of invisible people that I've tried to get by client or a boss to do in one way or another, and they all wouldn't. And I always was you know very adamant, you know that it's the the stories of homeless people that will create the most education, Mm -hmm. most awareness, and drive people to empathy to where they want to take tangible action to help people. So the stories of formerly homeless people, most nonprofits like to just highlight the stories of formerly. And I get it because it gets to showcase that they're ending homeless. And that's an important voice, but that's already been done. And people detach from, oh, look, they ended homelessness. Great. We don't have to do nothing. And when you show or empower homeless people to share their own stories, a couple of things happen is first, you know, the the audience goes, wow, we got to help Mary get off the streets. I didn't know it was like that. And second, Mary, who watched her own video or I get emails every day and social media from homeless people that watch a video or watch their own videos. And I never thought homeless people would watch homeless videos. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, when you work at McDonald's, you don't stop at Burger King on the way home. But homeless people have found a community. They have Mm -hmm. found that, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. So that was that was all new to me. But uh, obviously, it's uh, pretty amazing all the uh, great stuff that has happened.
0: Absolutely. And I was also curious about your own story, because you were homeless for a period of time, and that ended in 1995. And it was interesting that you mentioned that you feared relapsing again in 2008. But I wanted to ask you, initially, your experience that ended in 1995, I'm sorry. What was that experience like for you? How did you end up being homeless?
1: Sure, sure. Um, First off, we got to clarify a term because when you're correct, I was uh, scared of relapsing back to homelessness, but relapsing is usually an alcohol or drug term. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, I wasn't worried about relapsing going back to drugs and drinking. I was concerned about (laughs) relapsing back to living on the streets. So I was a very high functioning alcoholic. I grew up as a professional musician, but in the 80s, it was sex and drugs and rock and roll. Again, was a very high functioning alcoholic when I worked in the television industry, I was wasted, I would stay up for days on methamphetamine and use heroin to go to sleep i was well paid for what i did back then and i had the money to be able to party and there was a lot of stress and so for me homelessness was 20 years of bad decisions and people say you know drugs and alcohol or but there's a lot of stigma or misinformation most people abuse drugs and alcohol to escape pain so it's a coping mechanism When I was addicted to drugs, I needed drugs more than I needed air. And that's the part that people don't understand. They say, gosh, why didn't you just quit? I always say, well, why why are you eating that second piece of chocolate cake? You know we all have our addictions whether it be watching espn or gambling or overeating or whatever and much of it is based on it makes us feel better whatever that is you know that that addiction and with drugs there's a point where it takes over where you're not thinking like a reasonable person no reasonable person would do what most addicts do. And and the public doesn't understand that, that once drugs take over, it's nearly impossible to quit. You got to feed the monster.
0: So in your personal experience, you somehow were able to get yourself out of this situation. What was necessary for you to do so?
1: Well, great, great question. And this is where, you know, you'll see headlines from homeless to Harvard Mm-hmm. And, and 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 they actually hurt the cause. See, we live in this country where we still believe in individualism. You work hard and you can have the American dream. Mm-hmm. But to bootstrap, you have to have boots. Mm-hmm. So when you see that headline from homeless to Harvard, that person had help along the way. Yes. So I could sit here and tell you that it was me, and I worked hard, and I did and there's some truth to that. But along the way, there was people that held my hand and loved me until I could love myself. Because for the first bunch of years, the reason that I abused drugs was I had very low self-esteem. I was programmed as a child to hate myself, that I was worthless, that I would never be anything. I was never allowed to be Mark Horvath, I was always, pressured to be something that i am not and then on top of that when i didn't fit the mold that people were pushing me into then i was programmed that i'm worthless that i'm worthless and the result was that is that i had to anesthetize the pain and it started with drugs and at first it's a party and it's fun and you're having a good time and then they take over but that was it. You know, it was people in my path that were there to help. See, we live in a capitalistic society, you know, and there's going to be people that are not going to have housing. There's going to be people that are addicted to drugs or that have some kind of social issue or economic issue, economic issue. And we've got to help them.
0: Hmm. I appreciate some of the points that you mentioned, and I want to talk about how people can get involved um, a little bit later, but you talked about support and how that was crucial in your journey to go on to this next chapter in your life. And I think that highlights a very important role in society and also the role that we have to play in the lives of others. Like you mentioned, what was the hardest thing for you or some of the main challenges that you experienced looking back um, when it came to going into this next chapter. So when it came to, you know, finding that self-love, that confidence, that job, ending the alcohol and the drug consumption, you know, what were those challenges and how were they like for you?
1: All great questions. And I was actually looking forward to this podcast because this is the conversations I prefer instead of Mm -hmm. how do you grow your YouTube channel? How do you grow Twitter? How do you, you know, but for me, And I established it a little bit, you know, in my head, there was a lot of really bad self-talk. And I, uh, again, you know, by accident, the potato chip story. There was a book I found in a dumpster. In fact, I I have it still. The actual original book and a newer copy that I bought. But it's, uh, I Ain't Much But I'm All I've Got by Mm -hmm. Dr. Jess Laird. And Alcoholics Anonymous, or any of the Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Emotional Anonymous, they all say live a day at a time. And this book was about a day is too long. You can only live five minutes at a time. And, you know, it was about being yourself and being vulnerable. Uh, since then, I highly recommend Brene Brown has an audio series called The Power of Vulnerability. She does a TED talk on this topic that is very good, but the audio book is life changing. And I rarely say something is life changing. Anyways, I found this book, got me thinking about it. At the same time, even though I was an addict, I found a community at Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and Cocaine's Anonymous. Works for some people; it didn't work for me. Alcoholics Anonymous did, and. You know, there's a saying that just because you bury toxic waste doesn't mean it goes away. So you have to be in a community to be able to be in a safe place so that you can let some of this garbage out. You're holding in all this toxic waste and that was a big reason. The takeaway for people is to change your thinking. So your brain can only think of one thing. You cannot think of two things. You can only think of one thing at one time. And we either think of negative thoughts or happy thoughts. And humans, it's there's something about us, we always normally think the negative thoughts first. So you have to change your thinking back when I was an addict and at the worst of my addiction, I was trying to kill myself with drugs and alcohol and I would literally lay in bed. I couldn't sleep and I would say, I want to die. 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 And I would say that in my head over Mm -hmm. and over again. I had to force myself to change that to I want to live, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live. And it didn't happen overnight. I had to aggressively change my self-talk. Now I don't have the I want to die thinking. But, you know, I will still sometimes and I forget I got to do it more that I love myself. I love myself. I like myself. And, you know, they say uh, fake it until you make it. You know, yeah. you have this mantra and you say it because you you have to change your thinking. You know, there's the hustle culture, you know, mm-hmm. where it's be positive, be positive, be positive, be positive. No, be real. Yes. Be, you got to be real. Mm-hmm. But if you're in this negative slump, You know, if you cut your finger, it hurts because it tells you to put a Band-Aid on. Mm -hmm. So I suffer from depression. And one of the things that's really hard for anybody that's suffering from any kind of anything that's different is to raise our hand and say we're hurting we're in this culture where we all put on masks and we put on this mask that says positive 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 and we forget to be human we forget to be human and real with each other Mm -hmm. and positive things happen to positive people being positive is good but there are times where we need to be real and we need to say gosh i'm hurting and sometimes Mm -hmm. depression is saying Hey, you need to go talk to somebody. And again, just being positive, positive, positive all the time is not going to be good. And being negative, negative, negative all the time is not going to be
0: good. Mm -hmm. So would you say that in your road to recovery and healing, that the positive self-talk and seeking help when you knew that you needed it were key factors in improving your mental health? So,
1: you know, I'm going to go back a little bit when you're first trying to go down this path of self-discovery, self-awareness, I don't think you are self-awareness. That's where other people come in and where you have Mm. to help people. And now I call it blanket time. So you're depressed and you're... In a fetal position uh, in your bed, you know, I mean, we don't suck our thumb anymore, but you're just going, poor me, poor me, something happened. Oh, poor me, poor me. And it's okay to feel blanket time. It's okay to feel hurt, but you can't stay there. So whatever length of blanket time you need, there's a point where you have to say, okay, now I've got to come out of blanket time. So what I try to do is I try to do one thing to better my life. That might be an email. That might be a phone call, a text message. It might be listening to a song I like. It might be watching TV, something, you know, maybe even just getting out of bed and and having food or something, depending on the blanket time. And where that has to go to and what works for me is some kind of charity work what happens when you get out of yourself. And let's say for me, I like to hand out socks to homeless people. My problems don't go away, but it gives me a new perspective on life. And it helps me look at the problems from a viewpoint where I'm better able to solve them. Mm -hmm. And it gets me out of blanket time. This is one thing that I do quite often is you know, fill a backpack or a duffel bag full of socks and just go out and start handing them to homeless people? And within minutes, I am in a better mood and able to tackle the world once again.
0: Love that. How would you say that invisible people and building invisible people over you know the last decade and more has impacted your life personally?
1: Um ah, uh, great questions. all great questions. I have changed. It's interesting is um, people say, oh, gosh, you're so nice. And I always like to come back with, no, I'm really not that nice. How I've changed, 10 years ago, it's not that I was a guy that littered. I didn't pick up litter. And now I'm the guy that picks up litter. I didn't see that coming. I'm the guy, and you all probably hate me when you get in the elevator and everybody looks at their iPhones because, you know, thank God we have a phone so we don't have to communicate with humans. And I'm the guy that that looks and says, hey, how's everybody doing? You know, and, and that involved, I, I'll tell you a story. Back when I first moved to Los Angeles, and I haven't told these stories in a long time, so the blood's flowing to the brain as we speak. <laughs> So I first moved to Los Angeles and I got this job in South Central and I was working and my car broke down and it was the first time I took uh, public transportation. So I get on the bus to go to work. So there was a seat next to me and a homeless guy gets on the bus and he's got a bucket of dead fish. Don't ask me why. And as he's walking down the aisle, everybody's going and they're sitting Uh, in the empty seat so that he can't get in or they're putting their purse or their bag so he won't sit down next to him. Well, I'm not that type of person. It all happened really fast. And next thing you know, the homeless guy sits next to me. And I don't know what smelled worse, him or his bucket of dead fish. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ride public transportation until I became that homeless person. And I remember the first time getting on the bus as a homeless man, walking down, seeing everybody put something on the seat so that I wouldn't sit next to them. That was a a very powerful, life-changing moment to me. But just like I had to changed my thinking from, I want to die, I want to die, I want to, I want to live, I want to live, is I started saying hello to people. I started smiling to people. I was never, ever that guy. So you ask, how did invisible people change me? Well, it changed me in a lot of ways. And the ones that I don't talk about, that people don't see, I'm an introvert. I'm not this, you know, bubbly saying hello to people, but I turned into that person. Mm -hmm. To the point of, yes, I'm the guy that you hate that walks in the elevator and says hello.
0: <laughs> well, those are all positive changes. And so,
1: depends it's... on your perspective. <laughs> most, most humans don't want to talk to the people next to them.
0: We'll text, but we <laughs> won't talk. It's true. It's unfortunately true. So, Mark, I wanted to also talk about an important anniversary that's coming up. This August 24th will be your 25th anniversary of being sober. How are you planning to celebrate that?
1: It's interesting because for the last 24 years, I called my mom on my sober birthday. If I didn't, I know she'd remember. In fact, the video that I have on my YouTube channel, because on my 26th sober birthday, I did call her. And I asked, you know what today is? And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And my mom was disabled because of a stroke. So she has trouble talking. but uh, my mom passed away in May, so I can't call her this year. The other thing that I would really like to do, it's impossible because of this pandemic, is go to my home group. Because I remember when I had three days sober, or three months sober, or three years sober, I always looked up to the people that had some time. And I wanted to be that person. Yes, you, know, you can do this, but because of COVID, there's no meetings then I had this big thought that, you know, I'm going to produce, you know, nonprofits are doing these online galas, and I'll have this very well produced thing. And I tried to make that happen. I realized, gosh, that's one, I don't think I can make it happen. And two, that's really, you know, as I said, you know, authenticity is replaced production value. So Um, On our YouTube channel, I haven't set the time yet. On August 24th, we are going to do some kind of a live stream. I'm sure there'll be guests and there'll be some different highlights. I'm going to produce some clips for it, make it a little different than the live streams we do every week. And we're doing a fundraiser. We're going to try to raise some money to support Invisible People. Our work's very important. Going into this year, uh, we had a lot of great opportunities. And because of the pandemic, they all crashed crashed. So we're trying to recover somewhat.
0: I want to say sorry about news of your mother. Oh, Um,
1: no, thank you.
0: The work that you're doing and this fundraiser information for that fundraiser so that people can donate and then be present on the 24th of August, I'll make sure to provide that. I'm sure people would love to be involved. And I wanted to ask you about this additional piece of the work of invisible people. What do you think has been the most important thing that it does for people that are experiencing homelessness?
1: There's a couple of things. We're programmed that charity, you know, handing out a sandwich, Mm
0: -hmm. handing
1: out clothes, they're needed, Mm -hmm. handing out a blanket, is what people want. But charity has never solved the social crisis. It's okay to feed a homeless person in the park as long as you're doing something to get them out of the park. So what we do is we focus on trying to educate the public to create policy change. And what I mean by that example is right now we have you know millions of people at risk of being homeless. If there is not some kind of support for renters and landlords... Because if renters can't pay their rent, landlords are going to need money. They still have bills. Majority of the public blames homelessness on the person, individual. They're a drug addict. They're lazy. They did bad choices. If homelessness was a punishment for bad choices, we'd all be homeless. What Invisible People does is shares the good and the bad and the ugly. So we don't just focus on the crisis. We focus on solutions, Mm -hmm. both on our journalism and our video storytelling. And the whole point, and you can go to our website, invisiblepeople.tv forward slash get involved. And if you're in the United States, we make it easy for you to contact your legislators. And that is where we're going to see the most change. And it does matter. I know we live in a world now where it doesn't. Seem like it matters, but it does. And we have to contact our legislators and, you know, have them take action to help people.
0: Absolutely. And I'm happy that you brought up the common misconception that being homeless is an issue of the the individual. What I do like to highlight is more of like the ties to systemic issues as well. And when it comes to talking to policy makers and, um, you know, our representatives and when, It comes to solving homelessness is that something that you believe can be solved and where would we need to start
1: it's interesting to me because when i first started this i used to say yeah we can end homelessness we can end homelessness i wouldn't be in a game i don't think we could win we can end homelessness the truth is we can end homelessness we know how uh, you can go to invisiblepeople.tv forward slash housing first, watch a four-minute video on housing first, uh, highlights a veteran that I helped get into housing. We know how. We know how to save lives. We know how to save money. I don't believe we're going to do it, though. That is where I change because we don't. We don't. The public will and the political will is just not there. It doesn't make sense to me that it's not happening When you look at homelessness, homelessness is is a symptom, not a cause. So lack of affordable housing is the biggest cause of homelessness. Pretty soon, it'll probably be the pandemic. Then you're looking at domestic violence, and you're looking at childhood trauma, and you go down a couple, and then it's mental illness and addiction, And, you know, there's all the, you know, foster care, racism, our criminal justice system. Until we fix all those, we will never be able to really end homelessness. Now, what we can do is we can prevent homelessness. If there is a family and the mother or the father loses their income and the family is going to be evicted, we know that by paying for their rent for a while, It keeps them out of shelters, emotionally uh, helps the children. It actually saves money till they re-stabilize. So we need to prevent homelessness. We have to realize that we live now in a society, there are no jobs. I was recently in Los Angeles and San Francisco and passed through Detroit a couple of times. And it's scary how many service jobs are gone. And we can all blame the pandemic on that.
0: Yes. So to wrap up our interview today, I wanted to ask what's next on the list for invisible people in terms of goals and impact. And really, if you had a goal for yourself as well, like for your own growth and your own journey, what's next on that list?
1: Sure. So this is the conversation has been mostly on personal growth. So we'll start there. I have changed my life many, many times from drummer, record producer, drug dealer, television person, cook to now nonprofit. And I'm about to change my life again. And it's scary. So I have been in upstate New York. I've been here like six years, maybe longer. And I've got to get back to Los Angeles for a lot of reasons, personal and professional. I am in my mom's house. Uh, we didn't know if she'd be able to keep it because of healthcare, but since she passed away, we've been able to keep it. So I have to clean it out, which is a whole emotional trauma and just do it. I mean, sometimes there's life and you just have to show up and do it. So make it long story short, my big project is to clean up this house, sell it, and (laughs) <laughs> I don't rem- recommend this. I've worked free of charge for 11 years. I don't get paid. I don't have health care. The reason is I believe it's work, but it's a little bit cutting edge. Um, so it's been really hard to raise money for it. People like yourself, and there's been a lot of private donors, uh, which are wonderful, but the traditional philanthropy foundations uh, in the homeless sector haven't gotten behind this because I believe that they don't see the value uh, in empowering homeless people to share their own story. Anyways, I have to figure out how to afford rent. And before that is health care. And then I have to relocate back to LA. And I'm scared. I am scared to death about relocating. I am scared to death because in some ways I feel like I'm going backwards because uh, once again, I I bought nice stuff. I took a marketing job six years ago for a couple of years and, and you know made a lot of money and bought nice stuff. And now I'm going to have to get rid of that nice stuff. I'm going to have to go. I had a wonderful loft two years ago before I moved into my mom. Now I'm going to have to go to where there's neighbors in a small, tiny apartment building that I am at risk of being evicted myself because I don't know where rent's coming from. And I'm 59 and I am divorced with no goldfish. I really am going to work on myself to emotionally open myself up to relationships. I've kept myself closed here because I was worried that if I get involved with somebody, then I'm stuck here in this small town in upstate New York. And that would have been horrible. So uh, my big challenge and my big personal growth is going to be figuring out how to create revenue and how to change myself where i can open myself and and be in a a loving caring open relationship so that is it for invisible people again we're scaling scaling so that we can hire staff this year we were going to be able to we have 38 writers 17 of them uh right full-time full-time contracted. we have a managing editor the only person not paid is me Uh, We were hoping to change that this year. We would have. The coronavirus kind of flipped upside down. So we're aggressively working to do this and really to scale for more impact. So we are launching some research. We're surveying 20 cities to learn about what America thinks about homeless. I don't know if you've seen our mini documentaries, we're gonna be doing some more mini documentaries. And the original goal for this year, one of them was to create curriculum for schools. And it was gonna be for teachers to use in class, but now we're looking at something that's more virtual because the world has become virtual.
0: Wow, you've got quite the changes in your life coming up for you. And I want to tell you because I'm you know, all about taking risks if it's going to be, you know, if if that reward is is potentially really high to go for it. To yeah. go for it and you know, if that's where your your heart's being pulled, if that's where you're you're feeling like you need to go, if you don't do it you're always going to regret it you're always yeah. going to think maybe you should have done it so if you go and then you say okay well maybe this was a bad choice you know the you know the steps could be taken at that point to to make a change but You got to try it out first and i hope that we stay connected and i would love to to know how that journey goes for you but i think on both parts for yourself your personal growth and for invisible people how you just keep moving forward um i love seeing that and i really wish you i really wish you the best
1: well thank you very much
0: absolutely and again mark thank you so much for being here today everything that you were able to give to us, you know, your just being fully transparent and bringing awareness to the issue of homelessness. um, It was all truly valued and appreciated. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and feel inspired and would like to be a part of the Relentless Minds community, you can join the movement for change on Instagram and Twitter. We would also love to know how your experience has been as a listener. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another powerful story. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.